0: I'm Daniel Scarponato. My friends call me Scarp. I've been blessed to have a really great career in journalism, media, and politics. Along the way, I've become friends, and I would say frenemies, with some of the most interesting people. Some of them are famous, some infamous, and some completely unknown. We're turning on the mics now to discuss people, politics, and, well, pretty much everything else. So please, sit back, relax, grab a drink, jump on the treadmill, whatever. Please enjoy the show. Well, welcome everyone. Very exciting today. This is the first episode of Scarp and Friends, which is a new, hopefully fun podcast and new addition to the the political ecosystem. And it's really exciting because I have one of somebody who, who I would consider a very good friend who I've known a long time, Governor Jan Brewer. Governor Brewer, thank you so much for being here for our inaugural show.
1: Well, I'm honored to be the, the lead-in for your podcast. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. What t- Tell us what you've been up to, first of all. Some people, you know... I think, are wondering, what does a former governor do?
1: Well, I tried to retire and kind of go on vacations and work in my garden, but that didn't last forever. So (laughs) I'm busy right now working on people's campaigns and still involved in policy uh, across the country and doing some editorials and newspapers and a little radio show here and there and and podcasts.
0: (laughs) Well, and we're very grateful for that. So did you envision staying this active when you, uh, when you were kind of winding down your time in public service? No,
1: I didn't. I had visions of traveling. I had a lot of places I wanted to go, and I was able to go to a few of them. I went to Norway, and then I went to Israel, and I was able to go to Alaska, and then I took a three-week cruise to South America, and then covid hit and so everybody changed their lifestyle i you know i was kind of old and so i needed to stay home and stay healthy and so um after that i just really really slowed down so i was glad when we kind of turned the corner on covid and was able to get back in the swing of things but with covid of course like everybody we did a lot of things now by you know zoom and radio and those kinds of things so you learned a new method of technology for us old folks at least
0: Well, you have just such an immense and impressive record of public service to this state. I think you started on a school board, right?
1: Well, no, I didn't start a school board. I wanted to run for the school board. It was kind of interesting. I went to a school board meeting. I was out in Deer Valley School District. There's only two grade schools out there. And at the time when we moved out there, I lived in the county. And um, I took my husband, and we went to the school board. And I walked out of that meeting, and I said to my husband, who are those people, and how did they get there? He says, they're the school board. And he says, and they're elected. I said, well, I don't think I voted for them. He said, you probably did. (laughs) That's how little I knew. So I kept going back, and I just didn't like what I was seeing and what I was hearing. I was very concerned about my three boys in public school. And so um, one night I told my husband, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I want to run for the school board. And he said, oh, great, that's wonderful. And I said, well, you support me. And... Uh, he, and he said, yes. I says financially, so I don't have to ask anybody for any money. I knew enough <laughs> about it that you needed money to do that. And he said, yes. And he said to me, he says, if you really want to make a difference, you know what you should do? You should run for the legislature. And I said, me? And he said, yes. And so two days later... I had thought about it. He came in. I went through the same old drill. And I said, I'm going to run for the legislation. Will you support me and give me the money to run? <laughs> and he said, yes. And that was the beginning of my career way back in 1982. Well,
0: it's such an incredible story. And the, really the first time I think that I really got to know you, I was a reporter at the Capitol and you were, uh, I, I did an interview with you. Um, I was fairly new. I was young at the time and you
1: so was i
0: well you still are (laughs) you still are (laughs) um that goes without saying and you had just found out that you were going to become governor Mm -hmm. the news had come out and i sat down with you for an interview um do you remember where you were when you got the news that janet napolitano was getting that appointment and it was like oh, my God, I'm going to be governor now.
1: Well, everybody was speculating up until that point because of all the Obama people that were running around the the, the the Capitol down there. And I was Secretary of State and parking in the same garage. I could see what was coming on and going on. So people were talking about that it was going to happen, it was going to happen. So we had kind of congregated together to mm-hmm. kind of decide how we we're going to kind of do this if, in fact, it really, really happened. But the most interesting thing about it was is that she didn't resign right away. That's right. because <laughs> that I was sitting up in the governor's office. We'd already moved our stuff up there and settled in and I was not governor because she hadn't signed the papers yet so she would not sign anything until she got confirmed uh, as as the director of homeland security so she got confirmed as as homeland security secretary and then her uh, her staff came and brought the we called and the staff brought it to us because we were sitting there with nobody in charge
0: well and if people remember this was Uh, 09 January of 09 I think the announcement was made in November of 08 that she was going to go do this and the entire economy had fallen apart nationally Arizona had I don't remember but a massive deficit because we were so hard hit Um, and I guess uh, you know to me it was so impressive that you and your team I, I remember watching it and some of the folks that were that were part of that um eileen klein (coughs) um paul senseman uh i'm forgetting others but it was it was such a challenging time and you got, had to have been drinking out of a fire hose.
1: Well, we knew that we were headed. I was Secretary of State, of course, so I was watching what was going on in the legislature and what Governor Napolitano was doing. And I know that they were spending money like drunken sailors. You know, they were pushing everything through. The Republican legislature and the Democrat governor, they were having party time. And I even right. said to members down there, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, you know, that we know that things are cyclical. And it was just terrible. Little did I know at the time when that was all taking place and I'm making my comments, was I the one that was going to have to face that $3 billion deficit in the state of Arizona out of a $9 billion budget. And so it was uh, an awakening of which I thought I was going to be able to make it through one way or the other because I kept talking to people. Tom Manos was my, my guy at EBO, and mm-hmm. I really admired him, and he was absolutely terrific. And everybody's telling me, there's no way we can get out of this. we got to save this. State, We didn't have money to pay the staff. I mean, it was as simple as that. And the employees, and uh, they kept telling me that we were gonna have to do something. We had to raise more revenue. That was the only thing we could do. And I said, I have never voted for a tax increase in my whole life, my whole career as an elected official. I'm not gonna do it now. And I would go home, Danny, at night and sit at midnight, you know, and sit on my patio. And I would say, oh, Jesus, hold my hand. And, Don't let go. You got me into this mess, wow. you know.
0: So did you, one thing I've always wondered, because you, this all, I mean, it's almost out of a movie. I actually am surprised somebody hasn't made it into a movie. But of kind of how the whole thing went down and the situation you were thrust into. Did you want to be governor? Would you have run? Do you think you would have sought the office if this didn't happen? Was it something where you said, I really want to be governor?
1: Probably not. I never thought that I would want to be governor. I had been recruited earlier to run for governor from some very uh, special people that we all know. And I said, I didn't want to do that, you know, and, but I would support certain other people if they mm-hmm. wanted to run. And, uh, some of them did run, but they didn't win, you know, and Janet won, right. and so then I was there, but then when you know, she left, I didn't have a choice. I was honored to be in the position and move on, and knew from the beginning I, that I needed to um, not only plant my flag, and uh, move on and uh, run for re-election so that I can honestly say that I ran for election and I won overwhelmingly. I'm proud of that. That was a pretty
0: quick turnaround. It was less than two years. It
1: was but I think that the people of the state of Arizona are great people and they understood and they believed in me and you know I'm very proud of my time in in, in leadership. I think a lot of the Republican philosophy has changed a whole Mm -hmm. lot you know. It's been uh, kind of uh, interesting to see how Things have changed. Everybody talks about the Reagan years, you know, and I, I, you know, I was at the White House with President Reagan, and a lot of people can't say that, um, you know, so it was, um, you know, kind of an idol for Republicans at that time, and, uh, you know, they've gone kind of, uh, they, they, they've gone, uh, they just, politics have changed, uh, you know, America has changed, what we believe in and what we need and what we want, everything has changed, so it's, you um, you know and and i think it's gotten kind of vicious i think people calling people names and putting people down mm-hmm. it's something that we never did i mean you can remember all the protests we had down there oh, over yeah. certain things it was outrageous what people were saying and doing no did, different than what was going on this last weekend
0: did you have people protesting at your house during I, that oh, time period i had
1: busloads of people bust in from from california and texas during 1070 i had you know 24/7 security i couldn't were do you or ever going afraid where, of
0: your safety I,
1: no you know i don't think i had time i had so much on my brain i didn't have time but i remember one time they were out there and they had I, my house is on a corner and my husband used to park in the side garage and he couldn't get in because they had it blocked. Mm-hmm. and so i called him and my detail was there but i said you're just gonna have to drive through them to get in the garage because other than that you're not going to get in the house and my neighbors were so supportive i loved it you know um, they put signs up. We love Jam Brewer we in their windows, and they would run people off the sidewalks in front of their house and out of their yard, <laughs> you know. And uh, but that was it was awful. It was awful. And then you know we had a lot of threats, too. See, but I didn't a... hear about them all. I didn't hear about them all. And I but I, I never was afraid. What would you say today to that Jam Brewer from
0: 1982 if you were to give her? Advice?
1: I had, uh, you know, when I think back on my life, I had no intentions of ever running for office. I got into it, like I said, because of education. And when I ran for the legislature, I thought I was gonna serve two or three years, or, you know, terms, and then get out of there. Well, you know, be careful what you say, and what you think, and what you get your toe dipped in, because, I mean, you know, 34 years later, (laughs) here I am, you know, and it engulfs your whole life. I mean, I had young children I was raising, and, you know, it was was, uh, time-consuming, and uh, during such terrible, terrible times, but, I think that you need, when you run for office, I think you have to say, okay, this is going to overtake my life. It took over, it overtook my life. It was my life, my whole family's life. I mean, the Do you kid, miss it? it? Sometimes I think I could do something better or mm-hmm. I would do it this way or that way, but not really, you know, it, um, no, Freedom. Freedom. Freedom rings, yes, it does. It, you know, it, it takes a load off of your... Mm-hmm. Because, you you know how we say, I can say whatever I want to. I'm not looking for votes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I still love Arizona, and I still care what happened. How did your upbringing prepare you for politics? To work hard, I think. Uh, you know, I lost my father at a young age, mm-hmm. and my mother was a widow... And she went into business for herself, having never worked. And so she had to, you know, make the payroll to feed her kids. And we were never on the dole or anything like that. And I had a nice house and everything. But my mother worked hard. And, you know, it's always, she used to tell me, you know, when you work, you never say, that's that's not my job. In other words, if you, there was something on the floor that needed to be swept up, you did that. If you had to wait on customers, you did that. If you had to run to the bank, you did that. It was all about, it's, you have to do as much as you can, the best. Way you know how, and that was an education in itself that was just um, could never be replaced.
0: My mother also was a very strong woman, hard working. Actually, you've met her, she always yes, talks yes. about meeting you. Sweetheart, yeah. Um, and I think it really does, I think strong women in kids' lives really help prepare them.
1: They do, they do, and that's why I think I'm so interested in foster kids, because they don't have that family bond where somebody's looking out for them or teaching them or making them toe the line or trying to explain to them and love them unconditionally. Mm -hmm. I love them unconditionally. So um, we had
0: lunch a few times recently, but uh, it had been a while. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it again. (laughs) And I ordered... I think uh, like a cheeseburger, of course. and yes. you ordered a salad with very plain chicken and grilled maybe chicken. some lemon or something.
1: Baslamic vinegar.
0: so so you look great and you're eating very healthy right. And I heard you're a mall walker. I am. So what's this health kick you're on i'm a
1: I'm a mall rat. <laughs> well, I you know I have a little you know when I was forty seven, I had a heart attack. When I was in the I don't legislature. think I yes. knew that. Yes, I was. Has fly- that been public? Pop- Do yes. people know that? Yeah, okay. oh yeah, I was the whip in the in the in the Senate at the time. Oh wow! And I was coming back from Duke University and coming back, and the next day we were going to negotiate the health uh, um, insurance for the for state employees, uh-huh. and so I was flying from Duke University um, from a seminar back there, and then I had to change planes in Chicago and had a heart attack. Wow! And uh, I was there in Chicago for three three. Uh, almost 3 weeks i was on a heart machine and everything yeah and i never knew i had a cholesterol problem but that's what it was it was a cholesterol
0: did you black and out or what wh- no
1: i didn't i didn't do anything until i got they picked me up and took me to the to the uh, resurrection hospital in chicago so you
0: felt that you were having a heart I couldn't attack i could not breathe
1: and, and i was sweating and i was in line and i missed my plane and so because i ran and then i got Back, and I had to go to the line. I dropped my luggage there because I, could, I couldn't move it. And it was a long line, and nobody that wasn't moving fast, and I was going to pass out. So I got on my hands and knees, and I was dressed up. I was in a suit, a skirt, and a jacket, and stuff. And I got down on my hands and knees. No one said a word to me, nothing. Oh, wow. And so when I finally got up to the front, the guy in front of me said, Would you like to go in front of me? And I said, Oh, I would appreciate it. So I get up there, the ticket counter. And I told her, I have to get to Phoenix tomorrow. It's really, really important. I've got to be there tonight. I've got a job I've got to get to yeah. tomorrow. And she looked at me, and she says, oh, she, and I says, and I don't feel very well. And she looked up at me, and she said, oh, you've got to go over there and sit down. And she closed down the, the, the line, and everybody booed me. And then they came. They got bags to blow in. Well, I guess that's the worst thing you can do to get to some. They thought I was hyperventilating, but it was not that. So they took me off on the tarmac and took me to the— emergency room mm-hmm. and then uh, they were yelling and screaming and people moving me around like you know I couldn't believe it you know, I, I was kind of incognizant of it then they said I can remember saying stand back and bam you know the defibrillator I then at that point but then I came true then they told me that we had to go to surgery I said I can't go into surgery I can't I don't want to do that because my husband's not here you can't go he says mm-hmm. well we're gonna talk to your husband he gets on the phone he tells me you gotta go Jan you gotta go he says I'll catch the flight out tonight but he couldn't get there till the next morning, you know. But, yeah, it was quite, quite the... And you were 47? mm mm-hmm. so But that's because my doctors never told me I had high cholesterol. I would have been taking care of it. So from that point forward, I had, you know, I, sometimes I was better than others. Well, the first five years, I was really good, yeah. you know, because they gave me five years to live. <laughs> made liars out of them, didn't <laughs> I? And so, um, you know, but now I, I kind of, you know, work, and I, walk, I try to walk about 10 miles a day. Wow 10 yeah, miles yeah. a day and I, and I have a little you know I call myself you know I'm all wrapped because there's lots of us down there walking around doing all kinds of different stuff you know so were you when you were governor were you
0: able to stay health conscious because that's well, really I t- tough
1: I tried to know it's hard because you're going to all these places and you're not on a schedule and you can't always find the food you want and you're in a hurry and you know you're grabbing the wrong kinds of stuff but I was still, I tried to be good, but, you know, not anything like what I was now.
0: I remember you always said a, a Diet Coke or a Coke Zero, yeah. but not so much anymore. No,
1: I, try, I I really actually have given it up. I mean, for uh, from the time I got out of office until about... Um, probably four or five months ago i haven't i never had a we were a icon. bad
0: influence today and got you to fall well off i the appreciate wagon.
1: that because sometimes i need energy you know but i don't think one will kill me do you
0: no you're, you're you're i think you'll be fine well governor thank you so much this has been such a pleasure you're such an icon in this state and we hope that you'll come back and and have more things to say especially after some of these elections i'd love to get Get your thoughts on how how everything goes. I would
1: love that. I, you know, and I wish you well. And let me know when, and I'll be here. We awesome. can we can talk the, about the elections.
0: Great, thank you, Governor. All right, we're we're back with with our panel. Uh, we've got some friends, some former frenemies turned friends. Uh, joining me today is Matt Uris. You'll you know Matt from. Uh, from TV, you saw him on Channel 12 for for several years. Matt's now a business and employment law attorney and, and a good friend of mine. Matt, thanks for joining us. Who do you have with us today? Super
2: excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Couldn't get here quick enough when I got the call. Uh, pursuant to that idea of rushing over here, I had to pick up the little guy from school. We've uh, hoping to to keep him uh, calm and collected uh, during this interview through an, uh, just Large amount of chocolate chip cookies. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, hear
0: some munching. It's not. It's not you eating cookies or special brownies or anything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not special brownies. As a father, come on. I'm going to keep it together. Looking forward to providing some hopefully uh, valuable information as we get this thing uh, going and look to build on it.
0: Great, awesome. Uh, Also joining us is Sarah Elliott. Sarah is a public relations and policy strategist. She's someone. Who's, who's a good friend of mine and someone I really respect on the other side of the, the aisle. She uh, currently serves as vice president of programs at the Impact Project. Sarah, thanks for being here.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: And Lorna Romero. Lorna is owner of Elevate Strategies, a public affairs and PR firm, and a former uh, communications director uh, for Governor Brewer or policy, legislative director. Legislative director. Former (laughs) legislative director for Governor Jan Brewer. And, Lorna, Governor Brewer was so fun to talk to. Was she as fun to work for?
4: Oh, gosh. Um, She was a hoot. That's just the best way to describe it. There was always stories um, and life advice that she would give me. I mean, I was 25 when I worked for Governor Brewer, so there was a lot of life advice that was given to me, and she was absolutely incredible to work for. Yeah,
0: I bet. Well, it's great to have some really smart people together here today. And, you know, the first thing I want to touch on is what's happening in the political environment right now. And, you know, at least what it looks like is maybe a tough cycle if if you're a Democrat. Uh, President Obama has a 57 percent disapproval uh, rating nationally. Uh, maybe in Arizona it might even be worse. I haven't seen any recent data. And on the generic ba- ballot ballot Republicans are at about a plus eight, and that's when they go out and, and survey voters nationally on would you prefer a Republican or Democrat in Congress, etc. And, you know, Sarah, y- you have a l- great record of uh, running and being involved in campaigns. We were on the opposite side of the governor's race in, in 2018, which is when we first met. And you've also... Uh, worked a lot in red states for Democrats. So, you know, what do you advise Democrats in a a climate like this? And do you think it is going to be a tough year to be a Democrat?
3: Well, a midterm with an unpopular president in the White House is probably going to be a tough year for Democrats, particularly when we're facing the economic issues that we are today, right? $5.50 gas on my way here is pretty uh, outrageous. And rent and housing skyrocketing. People are really hurting. Um, I do think the recent Roe decision will drive some Democratic turnout and give us a good issue to contrast with with swing voters. So it's looking a little better than it was a few weeks ago uh, electorally. Obama. You did. You did. I meant it's President okay. Biden. We, actually, we do. Pre- I mean. <laughs> President
0: Obama's numbers are actually probably pretty good right now. But yes. l- Lorna, what do you make of this? Do you think that this Roe v. Wade decision changes the landscape or are people still going to be focused on the pocketbook issues
4: I think people are still going to be focused on pocketbook issues. I think for the next few weeks or so, as everyone's kind of sorting out the impact of the Roe v. Wade, you know, ruling from the Supreme Court and how states are going to move forward, I think that'll be top of mind for some voters. But as we get closer to the general, it's going to go back to the economy. And it's a disaster in Washington, D.C. And Biden is not doing any favors for any Democrats who are on the ballot this cycle. I I think the big question is going to be, do Democrats even campaign with Biden? Do they want his endorsement? endorsement or is it just going to be too catastrophic for them or are you going to see more candidates like you know a Kirsten Cinema type or a Mark Kelly that don't even admit that they're a democrat and yeah. don't even mention the president and their campaigning I feel like it's probably going to be the former or sorry the latter that people are not even going to acknowledge their their ties to President Biden yeah
0: it seems to me on this whole Roe v Wade thing that it it definitely um it it kind of depends on what state you're running in yes. because mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a blue state, in some of these blue states, they've passed, you know, uh, taxpayer-funded abortion, late-term abortion, etc. Um, does, does kind of where you're running and the impact this has make a difference as a candidate? on how you approach it and deal with it, Lorna.
4: Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you were saying, these blue states, nothing's going to change. Some of these more red states, it's going to depend on the general population if they agree with an all-out abortion ban. You know, it's really going to come down to what the voters are going to say and what they're going to determine who's on the ballot. Uh, You know, states like Arizona, I mean, it's still up and it's still a question, but you look at specific races and unless you're running statewide, where you probably need to look at a little bit more nuanced, you're either in a safe Republican district or a safe Democrat district, and it's not going to matter. So it's mainly those folks who are in a handful of competitive races, mainly the legislative race. But even then, I caution these Democrats, are you really going to have abortion be your lead issue?
0: When will we know, what, Matt? I mean, when, will, when do you think we'll know what the impact of this is?
2: Soon. The states are going to work so quickly. We see this in Arizona right now. A.G. Burnovich just came out with a statement and said a previous law is now going to be in effect, not the trigger law that would have set it at 15 <laughs> weeks, uh, a 15 weeks limit. Lawsuits are going to fly. It's all going to play itself out. Back to your point, we're going to get here very quickly. And the states are going to have settled it, and those residents, I think, are largely going to feel good about it. The impact not just in
0: 22, but in 2024. And one impact could be that Howard Stern says he might run for president <laughs> Please, because yeah. of all this. So, Sarah, is that uh, is that the <laughs> that Democrats? To to <laughs> <laughs> is that the Democrats' answer to uh, <laughs> to the future of their party?
3: No, I don't think so. You know we'll see a lot of people could crop be fun. Up. It could be fun. We've certainly seen some uh, big personalities do better than we'd hoped, I think, in politics <laughs> on both sides of the aisle. So uh, but I don't see a future there. I think he's he's out of this new cycle in two weeks and
0: switching topics. Elmo is, <laughs> is, <laughs> is
3: Teddy, <laughs> to on
0: Elmo is now vaccinated for for uh, COVID-19. And, you know, I was a big Sesame Street fan growing up as a kid. I don't, big Bird was no. a big, big bird. Kid. I actually, I don't even think Elmo had had premiered when when I was a kid. I, I think it. it really? Maybe I'm a little older than you guys. Well, but. you look so young. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, this is interesting, and I think that it it does kind of touch on some of why conservatives are irritated with the the mainstream media
4: and entertainment you know I took it more as a public service announcement and when I saw the headline I was like good for Elmo getting a getting a covid shot I was more surprised at the fact that he's still only three and a half you know they, they just don't age in Sesame Street but uh, I view it more as a public service announcement I mean they do these types of things all of the time yes this one's probably a little bit more politically charged because the climate that we're in but I'm sure if it was measles mumps rubella any other you know shot that young kids should be taking um, I don't I'm sure some people would have issue with it, you're but not an I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm all about let's protect the children and society, and, you know, good for them on that, and I'm sure after this week it won't be a story anymore.
0: Matt, you're a dad. Uh, are, you, are you cool with Elmo getting vaccinated?
2: I am cool with Elmo doing whatever the heck Elmo wants <laughs> to do as long as Teddy does whatever daddy gets to say or, or mommy gets to say, for that matter. The, the vaccination process... Whatever number booster we may be up to in a few months is out of mind. Um, at least here in Arizona, I, it, I my clients come from all different walks of life. I converse with a number of different people, from parents to business owners, etc. Uh, colleagues of this sort, and no no one's talking about the vaccine anymore. They're they're, they're mm-hmm. just not. Uh, correct me if you guys feel differently, but I don't see a single voter turning out on this. I don't. I think Americans are. Are, are done with it. Go on an airplane, look around. Like people left, right, so left, you're almost right. No one's wearing a mask anymore.
0: What if Elmo had said he didn't want to get vaccinated? Do you think that would have made it onto Sesame well, only Street? Sesame and
3: a half. So, I mean, <laughs> look, I think it brings up a really important point. Parents, of course, are going to have feelings and questions about whether or not they should use this new vaccine on their child. And I think this, it was, I agree, Laura, is much more of a PSA, is really aimed at helping parents or helping put in front of people accurate, medically accurate information, right? Science-based information. We saw a lot of misinformation um, spread around about COVID and the COVID vaccine on both sides. It was really damaging, I think, to public health outcomes.
0: Uh, I had COVID a few weeks ago. It was horrible. Ah. I don't want anyone to get it. So, and definitely not Elmo or anyone else on (laughs) Sesame Street. Big Bird would be, I think, not in good shape if he got if, if he he's, got COVID. I think he's more than three and a half. Like 30, <laughs> yes. 33 maybe now. Hey, guys, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks a lot. And thank everyone. Thank you for listening to our first show. Hopefully it went all right. We'll see you again soon. Hey, it's Scarp. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to listen to all of our new episodes.